Welcome to Steez, an ongoing exploration of Gen Z's place in the financial industry. Created by Terrasheet and in partnership with Publicis Sapient. At Terrasheet, we cover the important things happening at the intersection of finance and technology. Steez is one of our most ambitious projects to date because it's not simply covering what's happening, but rather what's not. There's a huge gap in the industry when it comes to Gen Z. And so we've set out to determine just how big that gap is and what it's going to take to not only include today's youth in financial services, but put them front and center as the new financial consumer. Welcome back to Steez. Today is episode five of our series, the final episode. Very exciting, also very sad. Um, we uh, wrapped up amazing four conversations. Uh, if you're just tuning in now, check out our archive episodes one through four, as well as everything else that we're doing uh, available on our website around trying to understand where Gen Z meets financial services. Today's episode is the grand finale, and as such, it's about the most important topic of all, the environment, the planet that we live on, and our impact on it. Gen Z has been called the sustainable generation. I think rightly so. They care more about the environment than anybody else, and that makes sense, right? They are going to experience the onset of our decision-making today uh, within their lifetimes more than anybody else right now, for better or worse. Uh, I think we can take an example from them, right? Uh, at Tearsheet, we've launched our green finance vertical uh, covering the intersection of climate and, and tech and finance about a year ago. Today, we have a briefing, we have a podcast, we have a conference, um, and we're continuing to cover this important space. There's really a lot to talk about. I won't spoil any of it for you. To unpack the whole world of green finance, how does finance go green? What's real? What's not? What's greenwashing? Um, I have with me Jessica Matthews, the Managing Director and Global Head of Sustainable Investing at JP Morgan. With her, we also have Jean-Louis Warnholt, the CEO and co-founder, as well as Eunice Young, Head of Partnerships, both from the FinTech Future. So as I mentioned, sustainability is becoming table stakes, particularly for the Gen Zers who have been named the Sustainable Generation. Uh, but the conversation on sustainability is not new. Caring about the environment is not new. It might be trending right now, but it's not new. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of how finance goes green, I'd love uh, to, to hear you guys' take. Maybe we can start with you, Jessica. Um, why are we even talking about this? Why now? Uh, why does sustainability even get a whole episode on the Steve's podcast? You know, I think a lot of it comes from, as I've observed it, um, from more awareness and a much greater sense of urgency. So, I mean, there are people who have been thinking about, you know, the urgency around climate for longer than our Gen Zs have been alive. But those people, and we're all thankful for them, were in a minority. They were really trying to be loud and not everybody was listening, particularly in the U.S., let's be honest. And so um, so I think what you see now is just you cannot turn your eye away from what is happening on climate and a lot of, you know, social inequities as well. Both have really come to be mainstream topics that people talk about and are aware of. Um, you know, you hear Gen Zs like saying things, I mean, they're not maybe parents yet, but they're thinking about the legacy if they were to have children and the planet that they're going to leave for them. And so I think there's just a greater sense of awareness and urgency. That's a that's a great answer, Jessica. I agree. And and I think it sets up for, for my next point. 
um, less than half of Gen Zers and millennials as well uh, were using the same financial institution as their parents in 2021, which is a significant drop compared to what it was in 2020. I imagine into 2022, as we look back on it and, and as we go into the future, this trend will continue um, because the market is simply growing more saturated with options um, and resulting in this further uh, maybe breaking of uh, of the chain the banking chain breaking the banking chain <laughs> between between generations in, in a single household um which is all telling us what we kind of already know if you've been paying attention to steez and our conversations here um which is that legacy is no longer a key factor uh, in gaining and keeping customers it's still a factor no longer a key factor uh you can no longer kind of just rest on on the footing of your legacy uh to to acquire your customers and for your customers to come and trust you and to give you their business um, it's going to take a lot more now um i'd love to hear now from future how would you say that the climate conversation has accelerated the dialogue uh, around how we how we choose our financial providers today yeah, I think for 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 us, I think what what we're seeing is um, you know Gen Z, but you know millennials and and I think across generations, I think people care more about what happens with their money, right? Like what happens uh, with with my deposits, right? Are they funding fossil fuel projects, or are they helping you know support small businesses uh, across uh, across across America? Um, and so I think those kinds of conversations, I think, are are, are driving um, a shift. And then I think we've seen really a sea change that really simplify uh, bringing out new financial uh, services. So it, you know, at Future, it's you know seamless uh, process to apply for your account, get your account, get your card. Right? It takes maybe ninety seconds, maybe two minutes uh, if, if if all goes well. And I think that kind of frictionless process, I think, also puts pressure on on some of the bigger financial institutions, you know, to to up their game. Um, and it creates opportunity for smaller players, you know, such as such as Future, um, to to really build a movement around financial services that come with a clear value set that also help you kind of navigate. Kind of life beyond the transaction and 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 give you a lot of value added services around it. Yeah, I just wanted to add that nowadays Gen Zs and millennial um, generations are holding their institutions accountable. Um, they're really looking into the backbones of what an institution stands for, and I think it's because there's a lot of more discourse. There's more nudges about sustainability nowadays that Gen Z can easily access. So. I think that's the reason why that's a lot of, you know, turn away from traditional banks and traditional financial institutions and kind of exploring different and more creative ways of thinking about finance, of learning personal finance, and also learning about what the impacts are of each financial transaction, each decision that they make with their financial uh, tools that they choose. So there's a lot more of a push towards understanding and holding institutions accountable and choosing what is aligned with each individual's values. Definitely. So, so, so now, of course, I, I want to turn this to you, Jessica, from where you're sitting at J.P. Morgan. Where do you think the climate conversation is meeting you guys as, as one of the biggest FI in the world? Right. How, how do you guys uh, see sustainable investing fitting into your business? Uh, is it just a gateway to sort of uh, keep it in the family, so to speak? You know, our primary clients for years have been probably Gen Z's parents. Not exclusively, but possibly. And so, um, you know, as conversations maybe happen and 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 the younger generation are included more, that has sometimes been through philanthropy as an easier, let's say, foray into kind of bringing children into the conversation. Um, but increasingly, you know, I think that sustainable investing 
is where you can actually get the next gen interested in investing, at least in the context of you know what we've seen from some clients who are hoping to get their um, their next gen more included in the conversations. And so, you know, I think it's been harder than philanthropy to necessarily get the next gen to really want to talk about investment portfolios and, you know, done done well and in, in, in thinking about the ways in which um, you know you can include include younger generations in those conversations. I think that's a good foray for all the reasons you mentioned right in your um, opening around, you know, that uh, the next gen tends to tends to be a little bit more, you know, um, focused on these sustainable and, and social issues. Right. So, so, but it's not just about keeping in the family, right? It's like, it's effective for that, but it's not just that there is also a very real opportunity here to capture uh, from a business standpoint, Gen Zers are just coming to the world. They already have $360 billion in disposable income. We've said this number again and again, I'm sure it's going to just keep growing uh, next year when we revisit this. Um, and they're also due for a major wealth transfer in the coming years. So, so the whole world of investing, um, as I see it, is due for a pivot here uh, for the younger investor. Obviously, sustainability is an avenue to speak their language. How do you actually uh, uh, bring about this pivot, Jessica, in your day-to-day -day work? I personally feel like we can really benefit from thinking more proactively about younger generations who are coming into wealth, either because they created the wealth or you know, they might be inheriting some wealth. And so I'll put this in the context of what we need to do, which is you know, bring this up proactively. Maybe it's not, hopefully actually, it's, it's something that is known. I think the next gens, Gen Z in particular, are aware, they're coming out of university, et cetera, like knowing that this is a possibility. Nevertheless, I think it's on us to really bring it up to our clients. We can't go as far as to suggest we are going to place values onto our clients or that we think we know what their values should be. But I think just to bring it up is to say, this is available to you if it's interesting to you. Oh, I heard you talk about the climate. Have you thought about doing that in your investment portfolio? So I certainly think as advisors and intermediaries, so to speak, like that's one way that we can really um, help bring bring the awareness to to gen z's um also for our part i'll just mention you know we do education around this we curate events um we're having one um just last week in new york city for our latin american next gens uh we're doing something similar for our u.s next gens in chicago you know curating um these forums or these educational sessions and sustainable investing is always a very popular topic at these. So I think that the education component that we can play and the awareness is really important. Um, and finally, and I know, you know, it, it, it couldn't go without say it couldn't, you can end the podcast without mentioning, um, and we'll talk plenty about this, that, you know, we have to adapt to, to the way that we, um, provide the service we provide to the next gen. And so we need to think about technology and products and services that are more tech savvy, where we're connecting online. And so I think innovations from us will be crucial. And so we are certainly not blind to that. And I think it's one of the ways that financial institutions, particularly a big bank, because we're not the coolest fintech out there, we're trying to be, and we're acquiring some. But, um, but you know, I think that's a really important role that banks can play. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just hitting the, the nail on the head, like with the values and the services, what you're saying, but also like the way that they're delivered, right? And I'm sure you're all working very, very hard um, from many angles to get there. 
so speaking of cool fintechs, I would say Future is definitely one of them, which is why I invited you guys. Uh, you recently launched Future Card. It's a visa, visa debit card that is uh, accessible to folks regardless of credit profile. So that's already good. Um, and then also rewards users for climate smart spending, uh, basically products, companies, initiatives that are good for the earth. Uh, can you guys talk about uh, building financial tools that go beyond the transaction and are actually first and foremost informed by their social and environmental values and content? Um, I think uh, as we launched Future, I think what was uh, critical for us was to um, not just be a payments tool, but also uh, blend kind of content and enrich every transaction with 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 a story, right? So we tell you what the carbon footprint is is of that transaction, and then we give you a whole host of ideas that help you to reduce your uh, carbon emissions um, in in your lifestyle, um, and do that in a way that doesn't break the bank. Um, and I think. The, the focus, I think, for us has really been on, on finding ways that, you know, give you more cash in your pocket um, while also helping you slash carbon emissions. Um, Eunice would, would love to hear some more. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of our peers and regardless of what generation you're in, you think that sustainable spending comes with a high price point. And sometimes that's true, but a lot of times that's not. And so we're ultimately just trying to make all of those options, sustainable options available, whether it is financing an electric vehicle or just taking Metro or thrifting or buying secondhand and just really understanding that those switches can make a huge difference in your everyday life. It's tremendously important to, to, to build an authentic business, right? Where like what you say is what you do, where, where you're open and honest with, with, with your, with your members. Um, at the same time, I think it's also important to make sure you have all the kind of checks and balances in place because, you know, you are moving money, right? If you have a card, the card has to work, right? Otherwise, um, it's 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 going to be kind of challenging. And so I think we see a transition where a lot of the things that uh, we think about when we think about trust and kind of big banks and the reason that we, you know, would opt to stay with our parents' bank is something that I think uh, new fintechs can now more readily um, offer as well, right? Like the cards work, your money is is fitting insured, et cetera. So all of the kind of key elements that are important when it comes to money and, and kind of key financial decisions, um, I think uh, a whole upstart of, of kind of new companies is, is now able to bring to the table as well. So um, in the STEES guide, we, we wrote about a recent survey that found that 67% of Gen Zers are interested in investing in sustainability firms and organizations, and 35% of them are willing to invest in them, even at the cost of lower returns. I think that's really interesting. And it's sort of like the proof in the pudding when we call them the, the sustainable generation. Uh, Jessica, two questions about that. First, can you give us a background of when JP Morgan actually started you know, working on sustainability? Yeah, so it's hard to ex exactly think of it perfect moment in time where there was like sustainability at JP Morgan, because from a corporate standpoint, you know, we've been doing a lot in sustainable investing and impact investing, thinking about the, the role that we play um, overall in, um, you know, all the aspects of our business from our own corporate footprint to what we do in investment banking and certainly where I sit in asset and wealth management. Um, I joined here five years ago, almost ish. And, um, and I was, this was not like just starting when I arrived. I was the first person in my role as the global head of sustainable investing in the private bank. Um, but yet I came in and we were already doing a lot in sustainable investing. We already had 
um, plenty of options for clients to invest in and, and several billion dollars in client assets that were allocated to sustainable investing. Right. Okay. So thank you for that. And my second question now against that backdrop uh, that you've set up for us, what do you think about this like speculation that young investors are actually willing to invest in sustainability, even at the cost of lower returns? Do, do you feel a demographic difference like that uh, with your own client base? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I have the same kind of observations you were alluding to. So, um, and you know, the way that we see this and some of the education I even do for some of my colleagues is, you know, think about that what we see, and these aren't just generalizations, the statistics are there, you know, it starts with how Gen Zers think about their personal values being reflected in their just everyday life. So look at their buying habits, for example, you know, the majority of Gen Z shoppers prefer to buy sustainable brands. Um, that's just right there in like different surveys and different studies that you can refer to. Um, and same with millennials. You know, we saw a study recently that said 75% of millennials are eco-conscious to the point that they would alter their own buying behavior to favor environmentally friendly products. And in some cases, you know, they'll articulate a willingness to, you know, pay higher prices for those products. Um, and so it's not surprising that then the leap is made into the investing aspect of that from like these personal buying choices or, you know, we make choices about which of the lift, you know, which of the car riding apps or whatever we use, you know, car sharing apps. And, you know, you'll see people reflect their values in all sorts of different buying preferences. And that is not surprisingly comes into their investing portfolios as well. So I just saw an amazing statistic recently where nine out of 10 millennials are interested in sustainable investing. And 75% of them agree that the investment decisions that they make can influence climate change. So they actually don't, they don't just want to do it to align with values. They're really driving change. Um, and so, you know, um, and, and they're already active, actually. So in looking at different Gen Z and, and um, millennial portfolios, it appears as though many of them are really already what you consider sustainable investors, or at least have dabbled into sustainable investing. Um, and I think, you know, it's hard not to notice these trends and think about what that could mean, you know, as we look at doing business and our own opportunities, there's a massive wealth transfer about to take place. And so it's imperative of us to think about the differences of these cohorts, to your point, that we see the differences and then to meet them where they are. I mean, millennials and Gen Z make up almost 50% of the world's population and are poised to receive a wealth transfer that I've seen articulated as high as $30 trillion. So, um, so absolutely, the trends are quite clear. And, you know, I think it's, it's imperative to, to think about that and think about how we're delivering our, our uh, financial advice. Right. So, so obviously, uh, the numbers are true and the repercussions of the climate dialogue uh, is very much seeping into the financial industry and how banks uh, as big as JP Morgan are, are doing business today. Uh, from your point of view now, future uh, JL and Eunice, what's your take on 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 that that statistic of of younger generations wanting to invest in sustainable organizations even at the cost of lesser returns? I, I think there is there is a, a tremendous interest in in more sustainable products, but I, but I also think I, I think what's kind of changing is this assumption that there is a trade off. Um, necessarily between having kind of a lesser return and, and investing in something sustainable. Like I'll give you, you know, I look at uh, my brokerage account, I won't name uh, where it is, but it's kind of with, with another uh, not so small uh, fintech. 
Um, and so, you know, obviously the stock markets crashed and the two stocks that kept rising were the uh, uh, kind of European uh, carbon trading ETFs that I had bought, which actually uh, have kind of continued to go up, not hugely, but certainly not correlated with, with the market. And I think this, this perception, which I think for, for us as future is really important, is that it, it doesn't mean that you have to pay more for the sustainable choice. Right? It doesn't mean that your return has to be lower for the for the sustainable um, uh, for the sustainable uh, choice. And I think kind of changing that kind of dichotomy where you have a sense that you know every time I check out, I have to round up to you know offset my carbon footprint or something. Right? I think that has to change, and you can focus on new investment opportunities. You can focus on things you can buy, ways to live your life that actually save you real cash and and support your financial well being while supporting the planet at the same time. Yeah, and I just wanted to say as a fellow Gen Zer, like I really believe that there is a shift in the economy. Like there is so much economic opportunity in the circular economy and the carbon economy. So the future is now, we're living it. We are seeing that there are returns, there are smart investments in the environment, in ETFs that people are making more and more now more than ever. And that you're like JL said, it is a false dichotomy. We can't see it as sustainable of taking the price uh, just for the environment. That could be hand in hand together. And that th that is happening right now as we speak. So I really believe in, in the shift in that economy of kind of bridging the gap between environmental investments and also making sustainable investments that will give you a return. So, so now to turn this back to you, Jessica, um, in the field specifically of wealth and asset management, uh, how would you say you guys are setting yourselves up to enable investors to actually end up making those decisions about their portfolios? What are their tools uh, at their disposal to do that? We really have to adapt to thinking about kind of the rise of the millennial and Gen Z investors. Um, and so I mentioned earlier, you know, that includes the delivery of our services. Gen Zs are the first digital natives. They have never known a world without the internet or like walking around with a computer in their hand looking at apps. And so we have to continue to innovate um, for these younger generation and, um, and especially around like sort of more tech heavy um, delivery. And I think the other way that that materializes that we're very aware of is that you really have to think about customization and personalization because people are saying, well, what does this mean to me? What are the issues that I care about? Um, and so as a response to all that, and I know that you're in your podcast going to talk to some, some fintechs, but I mentioned earlier, you know, we are also investing in fintechs and we acquired one. We acquired a values-based fintech called Open Invest, San Francisco-based firm. Um, I'd known them for a couple of years, have a high degree of respect for their co-founders. And what they were doing was trying to make personalization and customization in investment portfolios just available to the individual investor and to do it in a way that, you know, was low um, assets required um, and highly customized to what people care about. And without getting too much into the weeds on how that all works, but effectively their delivery mechanism is to say, what causes do you care about? And we can optimize your portfolio to lean into the causes that you might articulate you want to lean into, or even remove exposure to the things that you don't really want exposure to. So these so-called causes are across a wide ranging thing sorry, a wide ranging group of things from racial equity to greenhouse gas emissions, sustainable ag, 
veterans, oceans. I mean, they really are quite varied. Um, and so it's great innovation. You can just take your S&P 500 portfolio and optimize it to reflect your values. I mentioned five or so, but there's over 20. Um, and so the other really cool thing that they can do then, and I know this is really important to a lot of investors, but I think particularly of interest to more Gen Z type investors, is to actually have a view on the impact you're having. So once Open Invest has collected all of that data, they're able to then do a look through of the portfolio and see how you're doing on all of these various causes versus a benchmark. And so you can kind of get a sense and making it really tangible with metrics and things um, like the impact that you're having. I'm glad you brought it up um, because I think the dashboard and the ability to, to see the tangible numbers is really important in general for personalization uh, across our, our apps, our financial apps, especially regardless of impact, but especially in impact, right? Because um, then you're able to really see the measurement of how we're doing. Um, and, and I think it serves as a huge incentive and it makes this like abstraction of helping the planet uh, feel really tangible, uh, you know, with the numbers and the figures. Equally as important, I think it affirms the promises that brands are making uh, to their users about what's actually happening with their money, right? Yeah, I think for, for us, I, I think authenticity, again, is, is, is paramount. So I'll, I'll give you one example. Like if you, you know, every transaction that you make um, uh, and you kind of see on the feature app, you know, we'll, we'll kind of tell you what the, what the carbon emissions is of, of that uh, particular transaction. Um, but we also kind of tell you how we calculate this and we're upfront with you that, you know, there's things that we know, there's kind of data we have, and then there's stuff that we don't know, right? If you shop on Amazon, right, uh, and we see that you made a purchase, there's a lot that could be in that purchase, and we don't see that, right? So we're not pretending that we can give you an accurate footprint when you can really literally buy 350 million different things on, on Amazon. And I think being transparent and being clear uh, and articulating kind of what's real and, and and what matters what do we know and what don't we know I think is 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 uh, is is extremely um is extremely important and I think the the challenge that we see sometimes is that you know everyone's now carbon neutral right everyone is carbon neutral or now the next thing is kind of climate positive and what what we do and and Eunice you can talk uh, more about this is as we select future partners right we're actually focusing on brands that are not just buying offsets, right? Because sometimes these offsets are rounding errors on the cost of the product, right? They're super cheap. There's lots of kind of questions in, in terms of the, the veracity. And so what we focus on is like, what do you do as a company to deliver new products that help people slash their carbon footprint or that uh, basically help uh, the economy decarbonize? Uh, and we don't really care uh, about the, the kind of dollars that you spend on, 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 on offsets. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, like Gen Zers think sustainability, not just in terms of carbon emissions or water saved or um, toxic uh, runoffs or spill offs, like sustainability is way more than that. So as a business, if you're considering in incorporating a true authentic ESG strategy, that means that you also have to be supporting your workers. You also have to be committed to racial equity, diversity initiatives, not just externally, but also internally. And now more than ever, uh, there are people really, really watching corporations. Like you said that people will really film anything, film an experience that they've had, and it'll go viral on the internet and people can turn away from a business like this. 
And that's the power of social media nowadays, but it also could be very dangerous, right? So it could lead to a lot of misinformation. So a huge, huge, huge uh, important part of sustainability, incorporating sustainability and avoiding greenwashing is also being committed to a lot of things that people are looking for in businesses now. And that is a commitment to, across the board, uh, not just giving numbers about sustainability. So being authentic, yes, but being authentic in all parts of your business. And like JL said, if you can't be completely sustainable, that that's okay, because we know that that's really difficult to do in this today's world. Uh, just it makes it a lot more financially inaccessible to be wholly sustainable. Uh, but to take the steps to to learn, to educate, and also incorporate things that you can do as a business and letting the world know that that's what you're working on is just super important instead of leaving a lot of consumers in the dust because they will find out and they will spread it on the internet like that. So, so you bring up a really important point. I didn't want to make this episode all about that. Um, I do, you know, if you catch me, if you catch me off hours, I will talk about that. Um, uh, because it's it simply, it's not, it's not the bulk. It's not the core of the conversation, but it is definitely there. And it is worth, uh, mentioning, uh, greenwashing and this idea, um, that, uh, you know the press releases, the pledges, the promises, uh, all these, all these uh, uh, carbon neutrality sort of alignment of brands is is not really with the heart um, or the action in the right place. Uh, but knowing that Gen Z is a generation that, like like Jessica, you said, was born with the internet in their hands, brands really have to know that your promises and your pledges they mean very, very, very little with with without actual action. And when they actually contradict your action it's more disastrous. Um, uh, you will get called out basically. Um, so <laughs> be careful, keep it real, um, and do good. Right. Uh, the conversation on sustainability is obviously still in its infancy. So we really could go on and on. Uh, and, and like I said, we do a tear sheet. We cover this, uh, with our entire green finance vertical. So subscribe to that if you're interested. Um, and we're definitely not done, but, uh, before we do go and, and wrap up this conversation and also our series, I would like to leave our audience with with your take, Eunice, um, not just as a fintech decision maker, right, but as a Gen Z or yourself, uh, what, what's like one thing that you want everybody to know about sustainability? I think at the end of the day, we really have to make that mission clear that anyone can partake in sustainable living and we need to sh- really encapsulate that sustainability is not the sexy EVs or electric vehicles. It's also just extending the life cycle of the things that you have already. It's thinking about where things end up after you dispose of them. Um, it's it's just kind of bringing those questions to the forefront in everyday purchases, in everyday financial decisions, and just making that a very, very clear commitment to making sustainability accessible for everyone is key and crucial to access not only Gen Z, but a lot of different generations who are trying to make a difference, who are trying to make uh, a switch in their everyday lives and their everyday spending. Thank you, Eunice, as well as JL and, and Jessica here for joining us for, for, for this fifth and final episode of the Steez podcast and leaving us uh, with that message to our viewers and our listeners at home. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, for this series. Again, if you if you tuned in just now, go back in our archive um, and, and experience the full uh, five parts of this conversation. Uh, 
download the STEES guide, participate in our industry-wide survey measuring just how Gen Z ready your financial institution is um, and continue the conversation. That's all we were trying to do here. You know, just bring this to the forefront, try to understand what it is that we don't understand um, and inspire real and meaningful dialogue. I hope that I was able to do that as your host with this series. Um, thank you for tuning in once again. Um, Till next time.